0: Bibles to to Colossians 3, and I'll read from there again, and I'll begin reading in verse 16. Colossians 3, beginning in verse 16, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. And whatever you do, in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Wives, submit to your husbands as is fitting in the Lord. Husbands, love your wives and do not be harsh with them. Children, obey your parents in everything, for this pleases the Lord. Fathers, do not provoke your children lest they become discouraged. Bond obey in everything those who are your earthly masters, not by way of eye service as people pleasers, but with sincerity of heart, fearing the Lord. Whatever you do, work heartily as for the Lord and not for men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the inheritance as your reward. You are serving the Lord Christ. For the wrongdoer will be paid back for the wrong he has done, and there is no partiality. So uh, we'll begin with just a quick review. Uh, It was a couple weeks ago uh, when we last uh, met together for Colossians, and we were looking at primarily verse 16, and we supplemented that with a passage in James, and they went on to to, uh, to verse 17. So again, as Paul has been describing how it is that we are to live as Christians, the way that this is going to happen, the primary way that God changes our hearts, uh, the primary way that he helps us to mature as believers. uh, Remember that maturing as believers means that you will be obeying more often, it also means that we would desire to obey what the Word of God says. We would desire to think in the way that God wants us to think. It also means that the way that we make our decisions as well as the decisions that we make will be more in line with the Word of God. It also means that uh, emotionally we will begin to change. It doesn't mean the emotions go away, but number one, we don't allow our emotions to control us which again is not another way of saying we don't want to have strong emotions. Some of us have very strong emotions, and that's not necessarily sinful. However, we do not want to allow our emotions to control us, which would include also things like being so overwhelmed or feeling so overwhelmed that we begin to despair or we begin to doubt God. Um, and so as we grow as Christians, all those things are going to be addressed um, as, as we grow. And the way that's going to be done again is through word of god that's why we emphasize reading scripture studying scripture everything is based on that because that's what god has spoken uh, to us It's what he wants us to know about him what he wants us to know about his will what he wants us to know about ourselves what he wants us to know about the world around us everything so he he goes through all these different ways of how the word of god is going to dwell in us the idea is that it dwells in us richly that means it's flourishing within us and so it's done through teaching admonishing Uh, with teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms, hymns, spiritual songs, with thankfulness in your hearts to God. So we're teaching the Word of God. We are encouraging and correcting each other with the Word of God. We're doing so using the wisdom that God gives us. And then also we're doing this by singing. So the the Christian songs that we sing, whether we're singing the Psalms or singing from Scripture itself, or individuals have written songs about God, the Bible, and all those things. All those things are, are... Done to help to teach us, to encourage us, um, to uh, uh, to rehearse in our hearts and minds really the acts of God as well as the things about God that are true. He tells us to do so obviously with thankfulness. The idea is that we are to be grateful to God because of all that He's done for us. And then once He does all that, He wants to make sure that we don't just become individuals who know a lot about the Bible. The idea is that we're living that out, Um, and so. That's why he says, in whatever you do, the idea is that there's no exception to this. So, it doesn't matter what your job is. It doesn't matter what your relationships are with other people. It doesn't matter what your hobbies are. It doesn't matter what your day-to-day routine is. um, It doesn't matter if you're doing things that people see you do, or if you have a job, or you do things that no one sees you. The idea is that you do it for the Lord. We do it for his glory. We do it to honor him. We do it so that others... Will speak well of God. That's the whole idea. That everything we do, uh, again, whether it's what we say or, or our actions, we do it in the name of the Lord. To do something in the name of the Lord means you're doing it because of who that person is. That's that's the that's what's behind that phrase, the name of the Lord, it's because of the person of Christ. Um, so when someone says, uh, uh, well, "I know you're a Christian, so I guess you go to church because you have to," say, "Well, no." in one sense i do because i want but i want to obey god so i want to go there um and i do it because of who christ is because of what he's done for me that that's the idea i want to worship him uh because that that's it's because of who he is again because of all that he's done it's always centered on him uh and we want to make sure that we're doing this that's to be our mindset so that's going to be developed so we do want to consciously think about that but at the same time it is also going to be developed in us to where it becomes more natural as we mature as believers so again being immersed in the word really is the key to that um we really cannot over stress that enough um because it's so easy to live your life especially as we get older to allow various responsibilities that we have to take over our day-to-day routine and it's the next thing you know we have no time or we haven't made time. What we do know about human beings is this, is you will always do what you want to do. That's it. You will always do what you want to do. uh, And you will make time for what you want to do. It's gonna happen. You will make time. If you really want to do something, you will make time. Uh, And uh, that's why everybody knows this when we talk about how we don't exercise, everyone knows what's really going on. (laughs) <laughs> when you say, oh, I just don't have time. You know, we we'll go, yeah, I know. <laughs> and what we're thinking is, because I'm not making time either. Uh, but anyway, uh, but the thing is that when it comes to this, which obviously is extremely profitable for us, um, it's a discipline that we do need to work on. And it is hard because Satan doesn't want you to do that. Right? So he's going to work against you in whatever the way is. And so we've got to find a way to work it out. Uh, and to make it happen. And then again, he adds to that at the end, giving thanks to God the Father through him. So the idea is that, we're, that we are to be grateful. It is, it is a choice to be grateful uh, to God. Um, so it's not necessarily something that's just based on circumstances. Um, we want to make sure that we are developing that within us, within ourselves. So the, uh, the last, uh, one, of the, one of the quotes I gave you was, the diligent and prayerful reading of God's holy word is a great means of increasing and promoting spirituality of mind. So when we say the spirituality of mind, that's really that, that, that's where our attitudes come from, what we think about, what we dwell on. You know, everything goes through your mind. And, and the Bible, especially in the New Testament, places a lot of emphasis on the mind. Uh, and so the Word of God definitely works in conjunction with that. So um, we will skip James because we've already gone through that. And uh, uh, move, to, move to verse 18. So when it comes to verse 18, we now get to the part that some people don't like. Um, or we get to the part that's really come under fire for a lot of people both within and outside the church. And so it reads, beginning in 18, wives, submit to your husbands as is fitting to the Lord. Uh, normally, all you have to say is the first two words. Wives, submit, and people lose it uh, when it comes to that. Part of that is because... Obviously, misunderstanding. Number one, in our culture, there is this idea that to submit to anything is demeaning. That's untrue. Yes, ma'am? What if your husband's not a Christian and doesn't do the things that he's supposed to do? Uh, it says, wives, submit to your husbands. So if he's not asking you to do anything sinful, uh, Peter talks about how we are to, how a woman is to deal with her husband. Um. Who's not a believer uh the idea is obviously to pray for him uh, and it's and it's also you you seek to win him without talking to him about the bible unless he brings it up if he brings it up do whatever do say whatever you want uh, but but you're not going to nag him you know that's the idea he's, he's gonna because he's gonna naturally resist that for many reasons main reason he's a non-believer um so, that requires a great deal of prayer for yourself he to endure. Financially, like, mm-hmm. like my husband is not financially responsible right. at all. Mm-hmm. And so, we not have a house. Was, right. You know. Well, remember now, submission, okay, when it comes to that whole thing of submission. All right. So, there's people who have sometimes a big misunderstanding. So, I've, I've talked to couples before and I've had the guy tell me, he says, well, I'm not good with numbers. I'm not good with the money. But I know the Bible says that I'm responsible. I said, well, you are. I said, but is your wife good with, with that? He goes, oh, yeah, she's, a, she's an accountant. You at her job. I go, well, then give her the books. I said, "If she's, let her handle the money. If that's what she does good at, she wants to do it. Her submitting to you has nothing to do with being smart and taking advantage of the gifts and abilities you both have. All right, now, you still have responsibility for what goes on. You know, he does. But if she handles the money and handles it well by all means let her have it Um, that's not that's an that's an american thing that men in our culture used to think back in the actually the 1800s 1910 1920 1930 you know the man was like the boss like he was the daddy that's that's not biblical Um, so yeah the christian church sometimes has done a lot of disservice to m- causing a high percentage of the very bad reaction that our secular society has towards marriage. Right, me handling the money, takes a lot of pressure off him because he's no good at Yeah, yeah. I guarantee you, if Cindy was an accountant. I'd, I'm giving her everything. As Long as she gives me a book allowance, I'm good. No. <laughs> All right. So, uh, I mean, I allow that. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. All right. So. Uh, wives, with your husbands, again, as it's fitting with the Lord, and husbands, love your wives, and do not be harsh with them. So, we won't read on uh, uh, further than that because that will that will take up the rest of the evening. So, let me tell you what w- William Barclay said. Uh, he's commenting on the verse, "Wives, submit to your husbands," and he says on the plight of women in the ancient world. This is to give us a historical understanding of when Paul wrote this, what women in the ancient world were facing. He said, under Jewish law, a woman was a thing. She was the possession of her husband, just as much as his house or his flocks or his material goods were. She had no legal right whatever. For instance, under Jewish law, a husband could divorce his wife for any cause. The wife had no rights whatever in the initiation of divorce. In Greek society, a respectable woman lived a life of entire seclusion. She never appeared on the streets alone not even to go marketing. She lived in the women's apartments and did not join her menfolk, even for meals. I don't know whose phone that is. Oh yeah? Where is she? In the basement. Hmm, okay. We'll wait for the song to finish. (laughs) Okay. All right, so uh, anyway, she never appeared on the streets alone, not even to go marketing. She lived in the women's apartments and did not join her menfolk even for meals. From there, uh, there was demanded a complete servitude and chastity, but her husband could go out as much as he chose. He could enter into as many relationships outside marriage as he liked and incur no stigma. Both under Jewish and under Greek laws and customs, all the privileges belonged to the husbands and all the duties belonged to the wife. So that was the normal view. There's many other societies who view that way. I know in Hawaiian society, uh, the men would get the food and the men would cook the food. Women did not. Then the men would eat. And then whatever was left over, the women and children uh, would, uh, would get what was left over. Uh, the women would have no say in anything. Um, there uh, and as you kind of work your way throughout the world, there's a lot of that kind of thing going on. Women were viewed as property. <clears throat> Um, they would be sold and traded like cattle, that kind of thing. Uh, the Bible was very, very instrumental in changing that. Uh, as people became Christians and became exposed to the Bible uh, and to the gospel, uh, realizing that both men and women were created in the image of God uh, and that they were equal in everything, uh, even though there are some differences in the roles, uh, that, that caused many societies to... Uh, To begin to change laws to change their customs based on really what the Bible was saying Uh, it happened in in Hawaii uh, when the the, the King Kamehameha his wife became a believer Um, so what she did uh, was she decided to go fishing one day which was forbidden and she got dinner and then she came back and she cooked it and which was forbidden and then she sat down with the kids and invited the men who were hungry to come eat with them. And uh, they were kind of, a, they, a lot of the men didn't know what to do because the king is her husband. So if they violate the law or the custom, he could have them killed. But that's his wife. If they don't do what she says and she gets upset, the king might be upset and kill him. <laughs> and so, uh, Anyway, I, there's no record that he ever became a Christian uh, but what she did, uh, did cha- began to change uh, the culture, the Hawaiian culture, um, and, a, and a lot of those practices kind of went out the door uh, with her. And so that type of thing was repeated in different ways in a lot of different societies, uh, and so then the, the role of, of women would, be, would begin to change, and the way men viewed women uh, would begin to change. So... The idea is is that uh, the most important idea that comes out of that again is that men and women are equal that really cannot be um, stressed enough, which is why it makes logically no sense when because this goes on in different denominations where they're making a real big deal about women being pastors. All right. There's a there's a biblical reason why women cannot be pastors It's because God said that's it. It's got nothing to do with intelligence. It's got nothing to do with any of that. It has to do with the way that God has established order, period. Uh, And we are to submit to that. So technically, we don't have to have a reason uh, to to, um, say why it should be one way or another. God said is enough of a reason. Uh, If you were here Sunday, we're talking about when Eve was being deceived by the serpent. Remember that when he was deceiving her, she had enough of God's revelation to resist that temptation. All she had to know was what she did know. God said, don't eat of the tree in the middle of the garden. That was enough. But what did she do? Well, she, in a sense, she began to think for herself in the sense that she wanted to think independently of God. So she took what God said, and then she took what Satan said, and apparently believed she had the right to determine the course of action instead of disobeying what God said. And so then she made her decision, which was sinful. So when it comes to submission, uh, as I've kind of already mentioned, sometimes individuals get it wrong when it comes uh, to submission and the idea of how the relationship works. So let me read to you. uh, Sometimes John Piper can write things in a really good way and and clearly communicate uh, some things. And so here's something that he wrote. He said according to the divine pattern wives are to take their unique cue from the purpose of the church as the church submits to Christ so wives are to submit to their husbands the church submits to Christ as her head the basic meaning of submission would be recognize and honor the greater responsibility of your husband to supply your protection and sustenance be disposed to yield to his authority in Christ and be inclined to follow his leadership so then uh, I'll give you an example of this so when uh, some of you know I grew up in Hawaii that's where I was living before I moved here so I was serving as a chaplain in the jail and through various sets of circumstances somebody was gonna have to either move or or leave the ministry and I was willing to move and so I was talking to Cindy about moving uh, and, of course, Savannah wasn't at the top of the list, so that, was, that would have been the destination. So when I talked to her, what I did not do is say, uh, I've told my boss that I want to keep doing the work of the ministry, so we're moving to Savannah. So start packing. That's not what I did. I didn't give her an ultimatum or give her a command or an order. I said, what do you think? What do you think about us moving from Hawaii? And so we talked about it. I want to know what she thought, I want to know what she felt. I wanted I wanted a full discussion. Why? Because we're equal partners in this marriage. Both both people matter. Okay? Now, she's good with this that in the end I got to make the final decision because I'm responsible. But she wants to be in that position. It's not because she doesn't have feelings or she can't think. It's none of those things. So the idea here then is not people get caught up when it comes to submission as to somehow that means the husband's the boss, or he's like the master. It's just none of those things. It truly is a partnership uh, in every way. They are to create together this a new life together, but if they if they make a bad decision, it's on him. So they both so this idea that a woman doesn't have input or somehow her opinion doesn't matter as much. That's a wrong way of approaching it. And then, of course, the world sometimes their views are skewed. Uh, and even if they if they heard me to say, but in the end, the husband is still responsible to God. They're, then they're going to say, well, then both their opinions aren't the same. His is fifty-one percent, and hers is forty-nine. But you can say whatever you want. In the end, that is what God has said, and that's how we have to live. That does that is a good thing in one sense uh, for the woman. Um, because that then means that if your husband blows it it's on him (laughs) god holds him responsible um and uh um she's off the hook in that sense yes ma'am does it change if there is abuse or infidelity well that okay that uh now we're talking about what ends a marriage so that would be that's 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 different than submission in a relationship um now the church has blown it in the past where when there's physical abuse, the church or pastors have told women they need to stay home. Now I'm not advocating you go and divorce him because he hit you, but the idea that you just stay there and let him hit you, that's not right either. Uh, now what a church should do is actually step in all right, and be involved. That's what helps to end the situation. It's not like where I say, well Pam. <laughs> You can't leave, so, you know, learn how to protect yourself. That's not the right attitude, right? Um, And it would be wrong for you to say, well, you just need to leave. He's a bum, and you need to divorce him. So, but if I say, but if I was to say um, to her, uh, A, this is serious. Do you think you'll be safe tonight? Let's say she says yes. Then I would say, in this situation, i say, well, Tom, we'll talk to Tom. We'll be there tomorrow. And we're going to show up. And we're going to talk to John, and we're going to begin to and to let him know this is wrong. It's inexcusable, but we're going to do everything we can to help. So we're not there to, you know, we're not there to throw him out on the street. But he needs to know that he, that he can't do this again because we're not going to go anywhere. That's what churches should do. A lot of churches don't do that, and so it becomes very problematic. And that's why the situation becomes, in a sense, so complicated and convoluted. Um, so there has to be that kind of involvement. So the church has really blown it in the past. Uh, when I say the church is just in general, that doesn't mean every single church, not every single pastor has done wrong. Um, there's several that have done right. Um, but that's that part of, the, part of the makeup of a church is that we are to be involved in each other's lives. It's not just we just gather together on Sunday and then wave goodbye and you know, never speak again and engage each other again until the next week kind of a thing so there's been there's been some problems and so and we have to be we have to willingly admit that uh, when it comes to maybe some of the criticism that comes from the world Uh, we we kind of deserve that Does that make sense yeah okay all right but here again what it is is there is to be there's there's the woman is to recognize and honor their greater responsibility of the husband uh, and that he's supposed to supply protection sustenance Clearly, what this is based on in one sense is that both these individuals are going to be committed to making the marriage relationship work. Obviously, that, you have to have that. Uh, and that's what God wants. It's God's desire. Uh, God wants the marriage relationship. It actually commands the relationship to work. You know, it sounds kind of odd hearing that, but, but that is what God is commanding. He is commanding that both of them make this thing work, and this is how it's to be done um and this is the attitude that you are supposed to have so this the command for her to be submit uh, to be submissive is not given in a vacuum uh it is connected to also the husband's responsibility where he's commanded to love the wife and we'll get to that in time as to what that means and what that looks like because that's not just he has sentimental feelings towards his wife it's a much stronger word than that um and when you work it out practically you will see that so the difficulties in marriage that take place its because, for many reasons, one, we're still under the curse of sin, we're still living the life in, you know, we still live in the flesh, and the flesh is weak. Um, there's, there's sin in our lives as individuals that we have to overcome, uh, and so there's a lot of obstacles that are, that are there. But all those things can be overcome, especially if both those individuals are growing as Christians. If they're not growing as Christians, there's going to be more difficulties. So there are difficulties if they're both growing as Christians. There's going to be difficulties. But they would better be able to work those things out and work through them because they're growing as Christians. You know, they won't have... So, uh, like, sometimes you may see this, or maybe you've experienced this. So husband and wife are having an argument, and if you, were to, if you were a fly on the wall, you can tell that what's happening is is that one's just reacting to the other. And then when they react then now they react, and now it's just this huge whatever. Okay, but if we're growing as Christians, there will be much less of that because we're mature. You know, Even if that individual says something that's hurtful, you don't have to react to that. Because you know people. we play the blame game all the time. They say, well, yeah, I know I shouldn't have thrown the TV through the window, but you didn't hear what she said to me. I don't need to. What you did was clearly wrong, and you didn't have to do that. Right? That was a sinful reaction to what, you, what you're you a Christian. Christians don't do that. Right? Now, that doesn't take anything off of her. She shouldn't, whatever she says, she's not to speak that way. Or, and So whatever's going on, we need to be believers. So we need to mature uh, as believers and grow. And uh, so there should be, that sh- is what should be going on. So that, in a sense, is assumed. But that doesn't mean that you have to have a perfect situation for this, A, to apply or B, to work. The command is still there regardless of what your husband does and the husband is still commanded to love the wife no matter what the wife does. Again, there are certain things that do end a marriage that, that God recognizes, but we'll do with that on another day. Right now we're just dealing with how that relationship, what it's supposed to look like. Um, so when it comes to these things, some things that people get kind of hung up on is people ask questions like, well, what do you do if the wife knows the Bible better than the husband? What does that change? He's still responsible. Period. If he's a Christian, he recognizes she knows more than he does. But he doesn't say, well, since you know more than the Bible, what do you think we should do? She can still teach him stuff. That's okay. But as they work on whatever they're working on and trying to decide, he is still the one that God holds responsible. Period. Period. Um, so that doesn't, So that's not a difficulty, that's not something that, that you, it doesn't give an excuse to anyone and it's not anything that's uh, impossible to overcome so we, just, we have to stop with uh, it's important to stop with all the excuses and just work on, okay but still what does the Bible say, the Bible says you should do this the Bible says you should do that and that's what we do and God will help us to do that and so this whole thing here of recognizing this, when the, when the marriage is going the way that it's supposed to then the wife would never should never feel like she is being ordered around like a slave or a robot, and the husband would never want to do that, and he would feel like there's no he would he would feel like there's no conflict with his wife. Um, so my wife and I do have conflict, by the way. We do disagree on things, but this but it's not combative. I'm not I'm not thinking oh yeah well, I don't want to talk about this with my wife because she's going to be whatever you know I'm not, I don't think like that. Even if I know she's going to disagree with me, I mean, I, I don't like. Oh man, how do I do this now? You know, it's not. It's not to be that way. Um, husband and wife, they, you are to develop a friendship, a very deep friendship and growing friendship. Uh, that's a very important aspect of the relationship. Um, is that so? There's the so there's the the intellectual, the emotional, the physical, and the spiritual aspect of the relationship. But all those are to continue to develop and grow. Uh, as they continue to grow closer together. No matter how close you are, you will grow closer together. You, know, you learn more about each other. You understand more about each other. Uh, you, you, uh, because, because you've been through life together kind of a thing. Um, and hopefully you're growing as Christians together. So anyway, let me go on with what Piper says. So again, he says, the basic meaning of submission would be to recognize and honor the greater responsibility of your husband, to supply your protection and sustenance, be disposed to yield to his authority in Christ and be included uh, to follow, or be inclined, I should say, to follow his leadership. The reason I say that submission means a disposition to yield and an inclination to follow is that little phrase, as to the Lord. In verse 22, limits the scope of submission. No wife should replace the authority of Christ with the authority of her husband. She cannot yield or follow her husband into sin. But even where a Christian wife may have to stand with Christ against the sinful will of her husband, she can still have a spirit of submission. She can show by her attitude and behavior that she does not like resisting his will and that she longs for him to forsake sin and lead in righteousness so that her disposition to honor him as head can again produce harmony. So one of the main things with all of this that's important is the assumption with all of this is that these two individuals are Christians and they want their life to honor God. And that should be what, what drives us. If we don't want our life as an individual and our life together to honor God, then this stuff can put a sour taste in your mouth. That's why the world hates this kind of stuff. To them, this is just demeaning in every way uh, to a woman because, it, because they're gonna, what they're hearing is she's a second-class citizen. Why does she have to be inclined to follow his authority? You know that's kind of that's kind of the attitude um, uh, that that a uh, that the world's going to have, and so they're not. So we should not be surprised that they don't get it, but don't be surprised because they don't want to get it. All right. Remember, the general disposition of a non-believer is they hate God, they hate what God says. the The general attitude is we want to be free from God and what God says. We want to be independent. We want to decide for ourselves. So a woman who's not a believer say, well, I want to decide what my husband decides and what he doesn't decide or what I want to follow. That's, that's a sinful thing for a believer to say that. Fully understandable for a non-believer. So we've got to make sure that we recognize then that, that, that this is in conjunction with this, this desire, which we should have, to honor the Lord with our lives. So if two Christians don't have that, this is not, you can, you can explain this in the best way possible. It's not going to make a difference. It may make them feel guilty at times, but it's not going to make a difference because they, they're, it's the wrong starting point. So the starting point of this, uh, or the foundation of this is not, so, the, so you, I, I'm not going to tell a woman to do these things because this is the best way to keep peace in the family. Okay, that's not what you're doing this. It may keep peace in the family, but that's not what the motive is. You don't tell the husband, and the husband doesn't learn this so that he can say, oh, yeah, that means that, that I get to control of everything. Okay, if that's his attitude, we've already got a problem. Uh, and remember, we, have, we bring a lot of baggage and issues uh, into this relationship. And a lot of the relationship with our attitude toward our spouses really boils down to trust. We need to trust each other and grow in our trust of each other. Um, if there's not trust, it's kind of like, again, best friends, right? Yeah, what is what is the main thing you have with your best friend? Well, I trust them. Um, side note: When it comes to trust, the the number one way I know you, you you watch police movies and how they, or you watch the documentaries on how the police solve crimes and different things. Uh, and we talk about how you know when you when you interview suspects, you put them in different rooms and you kind of go at them. Now all that does happen, but there's another ploy they use when you can't get them to speak, and it's a very simple one. And what they do is so let's just say that John and I commit a crime, or we're somehow involved, and so we're both arrested. So we go to the Chatham County Jail. So in that jail they house, there's 1,200, 1,400 inmates that are there. They will make sure that John and I are not in the same unit. We can't see each other, we can't talk to each other, we can't communicate. Human nature takes over. I'm trying to get a hold of my lawyer, let's say, I. I have a court-appointed attorney, which means I'm going to have a hard time getting a hold of him. And John has the same thing. So we both are having a hard time getting a hold of our lawyers. And we both start thinking, I wonder if John's going to turn. He's going to blame me, and I didn't do much. John was the guy who figured this whole thing out. And John's thinking, man, I wonder what Bob's doing, man. He's always been a loose cannon. You know, he's, he's... he, he's the one that punched the guy. I mean, yeah, I had a few ideas, but I didn't know he was gonna do that. And so we just start thinking about it, right? And, we start, and then, of course, you hear through different individuals how much time you're gonna get for what you've done. Meanwhile, the police are doing nothing. They're off doing their thing. They're not even paying any attention to us. And we start to get nervous. Independently, we're getting nervous. The police know that. The first one to uh, dial the phone and say, call the detective and say, I, 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 can we make a deal? Oh, of course. And they're gonna come and talk to John. And John's gonna spill the beans, at least on me, because he's looking for a deal. But you know, the police officer also knows that while John is telling him all these things, John may still be fudging on the truth. And they're still doing their investigation. So they'll, they're gonna let John know that, okay, we're gonna consider this, and of course John's like, hey, now, now you, you can promise me? Well, I still have to talk to the DA. But I'm gonna bring this it looks really good for you, you know, the whole thing but there, meanwhile I'm I don't know what's going on but I'm getting agitated and then I make a phone call I want to talk to the detective can we make a deal of course and they come and talk to me and so I tell them so they're taking what he says and taking what I'm freely giving and they're looking at their evidence and they're gonna decide well which of these guys are we gonna make the deal with because they're gonna turn state evidence and we're both, and one of us, whoever gets a deal, is still going to plead guilty to something. And we're going to get time. And so we end up doing all the work for the police. Uh, you know, they weren't fretting. They weren't doing all these things. And so they, there's no trust. It's human nature. You don't trust when the pressure's on. And that's what happens. And so that's, so, sorry, John. Uh, <laughs> I didn't mean to make you a criminal. Uh, but you're a criminal and you are also uh, a snitch. But anyway, um, <laughs> but anyway, so that trust is important. So the bond that a husband and wife have, that trust is really very important. And that needs to continue to grow. What you do understand, uh, when there's tension in a marriage, you've had, whether it's your girlfriend, ladies, your girlfriend, or guys, the guy, you, you know, your friends. And when there's a lack of trust in the marriage, what is it they begin to think? I wonder if they're seeing somebody. I wonder if they're talking to somebody. You know he doesn't let me look at his phone. You know, she spends a lot of time on her phone, right? And that's how it goes. And we've heard all the stories. You know, somebody looks at the phone and realizes her husband is at that moment talking to some girl, and vice versa. So, all of that is kind of, in a sense, presuppose that we want this relationship to work. Uh, there's this growing trust. Uh, and it's not, and it's a trust that grows for the Christians, I believe, that trust <laughs> increases and grows as we grow as Christians. It's not only based on our growing closer together as husband and wife, that's a major part of it, but as we grow as Christians, we are less inclined to always want to protect ourselves and what we think is ours. It's not going to bother us as much, all right, you know, it's because we know that marriage, we're not splitting everything 50-50, that's not what we're doing, no one, you can't do that in a marriage, it doesn't work. Um, one of the great things is when Cindy and I share a meal, it's wonderful to know that We never, we never split it down the middle because she can't eat that much. And I'm happy, (laughs) you know, we'll split it in half and I, but I, you know, I'll be honest. I know if we split a steak and I get half, I know I'm getting more, (laughs) but I'm not going to do it in advance. I'll let her give it to me, you know, but anyway, uh, now when it comes to this uh, submission, so in the Greek language, you've heard us talk before about the different tenses. Uh, that these verbs are in. So Paul uses with the word submit a passive voice with a middle sense. So that signifies a voluntary subjection of the wife to the will of the husband. So Paul is emphasizing it with the language, that it's voluntary. It's not a forced thing. This is what she should do. So with the Lord's help as she grows, this is what is going to happen in that relationship. So sometimes when people say... uh, How can I tell that I'm growing as a Christian? So, if you are in a Christian marriage, where is your heart when it comes to submitting to your husband? That would be an indication as to how you're growing as a Christian. So, the husband and the wife need to both understand the voluntary nature of submission. So, the moment the guy says, you have to do what I say because the Bible says he's wrong. He's wrong he, he can't say that he shouldn't say that and it's unwise to say that uh, because that's not because i guarantee you if you say the bible says you have to do what i say i guarantee you, what she won't do you're right i will she ain't saying that uh, she's gonna she's gonna resist uh when it comes so again the idea then is that uh there's this voluntary nature um and so we want to make sure we're not misapplying this so uh, we, need to exe- we need to accept uh, the place that God has assigned us, and we need to basically kind of keep to our position. So there's various roles in marriage. There's various roles in life, right? So uh, I am the pastor of this church. What that doesn't mean is it doesn't mean I'm the boss. Now, Baptist churches, they used to think that. Uh, it's wrong. So I'm not the boss, okay? Uh, now we we have elders whether we have two or 18 we have elders Uh, so authority is shared I may be the primary voice because I'm the guy preaching but that doesn't make in a sense my vote more doesn't mean that okay I can't tell people what to do on, on any level I can tell people what God says they should do absolutely but I'm not the boss in that sense I need to accept all the parameters that come with being a pastor. And that includes that. It also includes me being accountable to the elders and being, actually being accountable to the church. right? The, I, the church has a right in a sense, I guess you would say. I'm not sure how to the best way to word this. But there's this idea that they, that they have a right to look at, examine, and question the way I spend my time. I may not like that, but tough. They have a right to do that. They have a right to ask me, well, what do you do during the week? I shouldn't take that personal. They have a right to ask that. Um, They have a right to ask why I may be doing certain things a certain way. They have a right to do that. uh, I have to be, uh, so I I can't allow pride to get in there like, I can't believe you're questioning me, you know, that kind of thing. That would be wrong. So there's that, so in that role that I have as a pastor, there's all these different things where there's accountability and responsibility and it's the same thing that it is in a, in a married relationship, the same thing it, that it is in every relationship, uh, regardless of, of what that relationship, you know, what the parameters are, whether it's marriage or employee-employer or, or a partnership in a, in a business or what have you. So we want to make sure that we're approaching this the right way and we recognize um, these things. So again, Paul's command is given in the context of the initial command, which was at the beginning of Colossians, which was what? To keep seeking the things above. So that's never put to the side. We want our relationship to be one that honors the Lord. So in my relationship with my wife, I want my wife to be happy. That's not sinful. I want her to be joyful. That's not sinful. I want her to have nice things, especially if I can afford them. That's not sinful. But I also want my marriage to glorify the Lord. Because that's that's the context of all. That's what God wants. That, that, that's not just something that's like a side issue. Oh, by the way, if you can, if you can make sure that your marriage is, is you know, looks good for God. You no, know, that's what it's primarily to be. All those other things will come with it. Uh, so God is involved in every aspect of our lives as Christians. And God does want what is best for us. And so there is much joy in marriage, but it's not always smooth sailing, right? That doesn't mean there's not going to be hard times, whether you're going through hard times together because maybe you've hit financial straits or because you're having hard times with each other. That's going to happen. But it's how we work it through, how we, how we apply the word of God, how we continue to grow, those kinds of things. So a, a wise woman then is going to be one who will accept basically the relinquishing of her rights uh, for the things of God I mean, that's part of that process. So again, I'm not trying to talk out of both sides of my face where I'm I'm somehow saying that they're both equal, but they're really not. They really are. But the roles, again, are different. Um, And having the responsibility on you does mean you do have to make certain decisions. And if there's disagreement, there will be times when the decision will have to be made. But not every decision is that important. So for example, uh, I mean obviously this, is, this would be an exaggeration, uh, but if the husband and wife are trying to figure out where to go out for dinner and he doesn't want to make the decision, that's not, that's, he's not abrogating his responsibility. Uh, he says I, you know, because when we go out to eat, it's like what, like what happens with a lot of husbands and wives, I don't care. What does she want? Well, she doesn't know. And so I always say, you know, I always say, let's work it backwards. You know, where do you not want to go? <laughs> and, we, and we start going that way. All right, and in the end, it still can be difficult. So, but the point is, is that it doesn't mean that then the husband has to make every single decision. It's not, it's not that. Um, but there are, obviously we can tell which ones are the big ones that have big implications. Where are you are going to live? Where are you are going to go to church? That's a big one. That's on the husband, just so you know. You go to a church that's weak on the word, it's not on the man. God holds him responsible for the lack of growth in his life, the lack of growth in his wife's life, and the lack of growth in their family's life. God holds him responsible for that. He's supposed to do better, period. He may make a mistake and make a decision in ignorance. That can happen. But there's, also this, there's always an expectation that we what? Grow as believers. And sometimes we grow and realize, you know what? We need to go somewhere else. Now, that has caused difficulties in marriages before. The wife may say, my friends are here. I don't wanna go anywhere else. So he needs to work hard both through prayer and trying to explain to her why it's important. I don't think he can back down from that. Now that doesn't mean that he basically kidnaps her the next week and they go somewhere else, but he does need to work toward that. I will tell you, we had a, a couple here that joined our church, this is years ago, The husband became convinced that they could no longer go to the church they were going to because they were, it was not as biblically based as it should be. I'll just say it that way. She was not happy. She was not happy at all. And so she came with him here extremely reluctantly. He had come by himself the first few Sundays, and he thought we were the bomb. He told her that, didn't matter. Her friends were at the other place. Well, I didn't know all that, but on the first Sunday that she came, when they, when they were leaving, he introduced her to his wife. So, he <laughs> said, I said, hey, it's so nice to meet you. And I shook her hand and she looked at me, and she goes, yeah. <laughs> I kid you not, that's exactly, now we, she laughs about it. She just cracks up about it, but that's, it was just, yeah. <laughs> it was, you could just tell, eh, it's gonna be a long, long afternoon for this guy. Uh, but, she, but he prayed for her, he, he wouldn't stop, and eventually she actually recognized the difference. And she also then began to grow as a believer. And like I said, now she, she, she recalls that actually with great joy and just laughs uh, at what took place. Because she's a very different person, he's a very different person than they were. So, but again, God holds them memory. So, so there are certain decisions that are, obviously have greater consequences, and that does fall on the husband and he's got to find a way to work it out. But again, it's always easier if they're if they're both growing as Christians. If they're both growing as Christians, it's going to be a lot easier. But a lot of times, it's not the case. Or one of them may be lagging way behind the other one, and that can happen as well. I mean, as you all know, we meet people all the time that are in different stages in their life, in their development as a Christian, and not everybody is thinking as a Christian like they should. Um, and so we just need to recognize that. So. I just want you to understand, again, that there's going to be disagreements and maybe even a sense of turmoil in marriage. uh, But that doesn't mean that the marriage is bad or it's going south. It could mean that, uh, but there's a way forward. But the way forward is not then to demand these things here and start, you know, putting it in the face of your spouse. uh, The husband needs to lead as Christ leads. And you notice that in the life of Christ... The, there was one group of individuals, well, actually two groups, but primarily one group that he was hard on. That was religious leaders. He called them names because they should know better. When it came to the common man, very patient, very kind. Um, the woman that was caught in adultery, he didn't call her names. He basically said, where's, where's the accusers? And she said that only, you're, only you are here. And what did he tell her to do? He didn't say it's okay. He didn't tell it was okay. He said, he said that she was free to go basically, but no more sin. He still told her the right thing, but he was very gracious and kind with her. But man, when it came to the Pharisees, man, it was like, whoa, and boom, seven of those things in a row. You know, judgment's coming on you. You guys are hypocrites. You guys are like a whitewashed sepulcher. I mean, back then, I mean, when he was talking to them that way and that was like, he was putting them down, put them in their place. And he wasn't putting him down just to put him down he was calling them into account so you so you can see that christ dealt with individuals differently in those ways um and there is no sin there so again back to uh, back to this uh, the idea then again is that we recognize what it is that we should be striving for what it is that we want and and it needs to coincide with what the scripture says so again if the woman then asserts her independence from her husband then that is going to adversely affect the things above, that it's supposed to be submitting to. And that's, and that's a big deal. Um, and, and that's why it's a problem. The, the Greek word for submit is hupotasso. Uh, and I'm probably saying it wrong. So again, uh, in that verse, that word is also present tense, which indicates that it's an attitude or a mindset of willingness to submit to her husband. And it's to be her constant practice. So That's the the way that it's always supposed to be. It is an imperative, which means it is a command. So she has no choice. As I already mentioned, it's it's a passive or middle voice. And that depends on the various Greek texts that you use. So if it is a passive that indicates that the action on the subject comes from outside, Uh, so you're being submissive in response to what God has said, if it's middle voice, that means that the wife is initiating the act of submitting. Uh, Both—it's it, it, always in conjunction with, with, the, with the influence of the Lord. So I, I think in this case, whether it's passive or middle voice doesn't matter. Uh, but the idea is that the wife is choosing to put herself under her husband. Now, she's not doing it because she feels she's being forced to. Um, that's what's being stressed here in this. So again, this is clearly a, uh, a relationship that's built on trust, mutual love, and respect. For both the Lord and for each other. That is what God wants from that relationship. And if, and if that's what's being developed, then there's going to be a, a good friendship, a growing friendship. Um, and it is very sad uh, when, when that's not the case. Uh, there's a lot of individuals, male and female. Uh, oftentimes it seems to be more on the female side where there's just a lot of suffering. Because the marriage is not what it should be. A lot of hurt. A lot of betrayal uh, that kind of thing so the answer is not for her to leave and it's not necessarily that she just resigns herself to living a life of misery I don't know how long the misery will act but but we do it's important to to go to the Lord in prayer and ask for the Lord to intervene ask for the Lord to work on his heart uh, not because you want to be able to go spend a bunch of money at the store uh, but you, that you want God to, to work in his heart to make him the man he should be. And, you, and so you want to pray for him. You want to be his advocate um, uh, in that sense and, and uh, plead with God. And I, sometimes I, I think that we, uh, a lot of people do this because it's a human thing. We don't really pray enough. We don't pray in faith. We don't really believe that God. And of course, because we're Americans, we, we say, Lord, I've been praying for three days and he's the same. You know, we want it like now. Uh, and it may not happen in three days. Um, and there's no way to easily explain that. Uh, but that's also why then, why it's important for us to pray for each other and pray with each <coughs> other. Right? We need, if that's why you need to develop friendship with people in the church. Right? It doesn't always have to be the pastor where you tell the pastor the, the secrets of your life. It doesn't always have to be the pastor. But it's important for men to befriend men and women to befriend women. So then when a woman, maybe she feels that the case the situation of a marriage doesn't mean that, or it's, it's not to the point that she believes she has to speak to the pastor, but she's suffering or she's hurting. If she can tell her friend, not so her friend can go and gossip about it, so they can pray together and pray for each other. That, that's how, and that is truly how we minister to each other. Uh, and I think sometimes we don't really believe that and we need to get to that point. It's very important, and God will answer prayer. He answers prayer, and, so, uh, and that also helps us in sharing that burden uh, uh, when it comes to these very important issues, and marriage is one of the most important. Um, it's very easy for us to get all gung-ho about the attacks on the family from government and laws, but we don't do enough for what's going on in the relationships that we see in person where those things are happening. And and we need to make that a priority. In fact, I would say that's more important than any law being changed. Because I don't think changing the laws is going to do much anyway. That's not the answer. Um, And so we we need to do that. So if you recognize that a friend of yours is maybe going through difficulty in their marriage, you need to begin to pray. And then also ask God to give you wisdom for how to approach that individual so you can pray for them. It's not to get the dirt on them. Uh, Whether it's you or someone else, that that person will open up uh, and allow someone to pray for them pray with them for those situations so that that marriage can be um much improved and better uh mm. so we'll stop there and uh we'll go we'll go a little bit more next uh, uh, well in two weeks we'll go a little bit more about submitting and then we'll get to the command about the husband loving the wife um because there's actually a lot there in just that one phrase uh, that we need to understand as, as men as to what the responsibility is that we have uh, to love the wife uh, because again as I said it's not just some sentimental emotional thing it's a very powerful word uh, with a lot of meaning um, that we need to grasp so that we can um, have the kind of marriage that honors the Lord and to be honest have a marriage that's going to bring you a lot of joy and happiness um, because you and your wife are going to grow a lot closer together because you're going to be the kind of man that God wants you to be. Let's pray. Father in heaven, again, we thank you for your grace, kindness, and love. We ask, Lord, that you would help us to be able to better understand the word and how it applies to us. And also, Father, that we would have a desire to want to understand the word and have it applied to us. That you would give us the strength that we need um, to live in obedience to the word. We pray, Lord, that you would help us to continue to pray whether it's our marriage or for the marriage of others, Uh, and that, Father, we would believe that marriage can be great uh, in every way because we know, Lord, there are some people who are pretending it's great and there's a lot of hurt there. But we also pray, Lord, that you would maybe raise up to the forefront those who do have good marriages, not, Lord, that they can brag or that somehow honor can be given to them in a sense of uh, where it brings about arrogance, but, that, Lord, that they may serve as examples that they may truly minister to those so that marriages across the board can be improved and uh, we can have the kind of relationships that um, honor you in every way. We pray, Lord, you keep us safe as we are dismissed, that you watch over us. And again, you would give to us a very strong determination to live for you. And we do ask these things in Christ's name. Amen.